Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go. A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, and we're back. Another episode of Texans Unfiltered brought to you by Run Game Clothing. Go to rungameclothing.com. Type in promo code UNFILTERED for 15% off your order. That's rungameclothing.com, promo code UNFILTERED for 15% off of your order. I am James, and I am joined once again by my beautiful and lovely co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, uh, lots going on, Uh, actually a ton going on. I think before we get into... um, some of the football stuff, we should get into some house cleaning things. So, uh, one, we, we kind of referenced it last week, but we have a new intro and outro, so kudos on that. Uh, two, we have a new podcast art, so boom, bam, that's great. Very good work done by John's friend. And then three, John, I was able to add another partner to the uh, opening game event. Something tells me this will not be good for my waistline. Uh, it's not going to be good for your waistline, but it's going to be good for every other person that is at the event. Uh, so Tiff Treats is going to be partnering with us and providing dessert for all of our listeners and attendees at the event. So uh, along with free barbecue, dollars off beer, Texans football, run game clothing, uh, you're also getting brownies and cookies in, uh, to add to all the rest of that stuff. So if you guys are not registered for the event, please go to the uh, go to the registration link in my bio on Instagram. Um, we can't fit it in our Twitter bio because it's too long. So um, if you need it, just DM us on Twitter or, or wherever you need to. Uh, we really need that registration link filled out so we can uh, count how many people are coming. I've already had 60 to 70 people tell me they're coming, but yet we don't have that on the registration link. So if you guys could do us a favor and find a way to get a hold of that registration link, I would appreciate it. Me and John will actually tweet it out here. Uh, actually, it should be it should be on one of our tweets, but we'll pin a tweet and uh, let you guys know about it. So please go to the registration link. Tips, treats, cookies, brownies, Pitmaster Barbecue, Sigma Brewing, Run Game Clothing. I, I don't know what else you guys want from us. I literally pulled all of this together so we can meet you guys and come out and have a good time. So it would, re- it would be awesome to be able to see how many people can show up and uh, take advantage of this. So um, Also, John's got a pretty cool uh, halftime uh, game he's lining up, so that'll be fun as well. Uh, all right, John. Lots going on in the world of the Texans. Um, I I put down on our little our little uh, pre 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 show notes that I think we should probably start with a conversation about Matt Khalil. What are your thoughts? <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, everybody, so, seems, everybody seems to have their their panties a little bit of a bunch. So let's let's right. go back. Let's go back into like let's let's have a timeline established. So uh, Saturday's game, we play the Lions. Matt Khalil is not out there. Roger Johnson is. Um, Texans Twitter goes on this crazy rant about how we finally have a franchise left tackle. Roger Johnson's the best in the world. Um, and I think during the entire time that they were saying that, they were forgetting that they were comparing Roger Johnson to Matt Khalil. <laughs> Not that we have a franchise tackle. It's just that you saw somebody better than Matt Khalil, so you guys went straight and jumped the gun. Wait, it's more like we saw somebody. 
Because we haven't seen much yes. of Matt Khalil. we got to remember right. that. I mean, well, we have, but yes, yes, correct. On game, we have not seen a lot from Matt Khalil. I mean, for the past um, two years, he's been out hurt. At this point, a walking talk in person is better than Matt Khalil because you know what the number one thing that you got to be? Available. Available. How many times did Bill O'Brien say it? It's almost annoying at this point. He's got to be available. He's got to be available. He's got to be available. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Roger Johnson plays, actually has a really good showing. Um, keep in mind that there were a lot of three-man rushes. Um, there was no Trey Flowers. There was no Damian Harrison. Um, so it wasn't necessarily second teamers, but there were some second teamers on that defensive line. Uh, either way, uh, Roger Johnson put on some good tape, showed that he's capable, showed that he has the instinct to play left tackle, um, and is also just a big dude out there. Uh, so he had a great game. After that, um, somebody from 610 asks um, Bill O'Brien, hey, is Matt Khalil your starter at left tackle? Bill O'Brien then proceeds to answer by yes. So then we have all day Sunday to see Texans Twitter overreact and talk about how dumb it is and that he's playing mind games. And then there was even some people that jumped into conspiracy theories to talk about why he said that and what else is going on. And here's the meaning of it to um, yesterday. um, No news really comes out today. uh, Well, yesterday, Matt Khalil didn't practice today. Matt Khalil didn't practice. It's today, Monday. Today's Tuesday, right? I'm getting my days. Anyways, today, Matt Khalil doesn't practice. Doesn't practice. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Didn't didn't practice. This uh, this is a six day missing practice. And um, Bill O'Brien was then asked, is Matt Khalil injured? And then Bill O'Brien, out of nowhere, decides to destroy whoever it was that asked that question, basically blows up, lets him know that he doesn't have to give an injury report until the season. If you guys are – so you guys will get an injury report when the season starts. But other than that, that's the only thing. You guys ask me 50 questions about injuries, even though I don't have to do that. And yet you still do. Stephanie Stradley uh, pointed out um, on her Twitter that in his first year, uh, part of the media guidelines that were established were injury questions. Uh, but yet we still continue to ask him. I get it. It's a part of football. We need to know these things. Uh, then he was asked again, is Matt Khalil going to be your starter at left tackle when the season begins? He says yes. And then he also mentions that he um, Matt hasn't played because of the up because it's up to the coach's discretion to not practice him. Um, he said that he might play Saturday. All things are you know unknown at this point. Everything just kind of depends. So that's where we're at with Matt Khalil. Is that a pretty much a pretty good summary of the Matt Khalil saga from Saturday to now? Yeah. No, I think he nailed on all the all the hard points and just trying to keep in mind that what's going on. And first off, the part that everybody's kind of forgotten, Roderick Johnson. Have we seen him do this before? Uh, once last offseason in a preseason game. Right. I mean, he's just – he's an unknown quality. Um, shout out to Jason Braddock. I know you and him kind of got into it, but we didn't get Jason into it. has we, been... we had a good conversation. We were talking about, cl- oh, we were talking about Clowney. It wasn't about Roderick Johnson. Okay. I know y'all weren't talking about Roderick Johnson. No, yeah, yeah. Jason's cool. I, I have no problem with Jason. We we had a just yeah. an adult conversation. We agreed to disagree. That it is what it is. I'll never have a problem with yeah. Jason. Jason and I talk all the time. He's a great dude. Yeah, Jason's awesome. I, me and him actually both lived in Florence, South Carolina, and nobody lives in Florence, South Carolina. 
So, you know, I was, that's, that's always cool. But a uh, big shout-out to Jason because he was the first one to really bring up Roderick Johnson. Like, he's been harping on him since OTAs. And he said, hey, this guy, this kid may have something. And then you got to remember, Roderick Johnson was part of the, the uh, Sashi, um, Sashi drafts up in Cleveland. Um, so he was one of those guys that was just kind of expelled from the team. There was a lot of those players that Sashi picked that no one gave a chance on because Sashi used analytics to decide whether or not they'd be a good player and not coach's opinions. And Roderick Johnson is one of those players. So he bounced around, or actually went straight from Cleveland to us, and he's been on our practice squad. Um, he was a fifth-round pick originally. Um, he played at FSU, so he's got he's got a pedigree. There's something behind there. This is year three. If, a, if an offensive lineman is going to take a leap, it's always in year three. That's about when their ability to process the game has finally caught up. So at this point, though, we got to keep in mind that we've seen him against a very, very depleted Lions team. The Lions look like, I don't know, they may not win any games this year. A lot of the clips that you saw out there um, circulating on Twitter during the Lions game, keep in mind that even Julian Davenport looked great out there too. So these are things to kind of keep in mind, and I am so sorry because I, you know how I am with the names, but the right tackle that's our like fourth string right tackle was actually our highest graded player that game. Yep. Um, what is his name? I feel awful right now. I don't care. He's on my good team, uh, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm the other way. He this may be the only time he gets a shout out on our podcast ever, so I'm gonna have to think of his name. I'll come back to him. But just keep in mind that the Lions aren't much. So with this, what we have to keep in mind. Is Roderick Johnson the better tackle? Yes, because he's healthy. Now, if he and Matt Khalil are both healthy, is Roderick Johnson the better tackle? I have no clue. I, we really don't. Not no, at this hopefully point. we'll find out Saturday. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll see some more on Saturday. We'll see some more. It's pretty vanilla um, pass rush during the preseason. They don't usually do a lot of stunts or a lot of blitzing or a lot of things where the offensive line has to communicate and hand off um, blockers, but we'll still see if he just has the strength and athleticism to continue to hold up against better athletes. And what he showed against the Lions is he did as he does, but I don't know if the Lions are better athletes or not. Yeah, no, I, you know, there's been a lot of talk about um, this Saturday's game against the Cowboys um, and how they have an amazing pass rush. Um, it'll, it'll be, that'll be the test, but correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Tank Lawrence out? Yeah. Okay. And isn't David Irving out? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know where this amazing so, test is going to come from, but good to know, I guess. But it's just, it's just more. Right. The, the Cowboys supposedly have a, supposedly have a deeper, a deeper line. Supposedly. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the... I watched the uh, Lions surprise everybody, but they don't look so great right now. Um, no, I'm, I'm not putting too much stock into the Lions at this point just because it's preseason. It's hard to judge. Like, if, if we went based uh, off of what we saw. David Steinmetz. Yeah. David Steinmetz. Yeah. 35 snaps, didn't allow pressure, and 81.4 run block grade. Um, highest PFF. I know, PFF, right? Graded um, offensive lineman on the Texans this preseason. Those are Andrew, Andre Dillard numbers. Are we sure he shouldn't be a I was starting? just about to say, <laughs> I was literally about to reference the Andre Dillard uh, PFF stats, how he is the 
a number one starting tackle or tackle to not allow pressures, and I think he had like 45 snaps, right? I think he's had 45 snaps. I think he only had like 10 more than the gentleman you just uh, – Yeah, it's – I'm sitting here trying to find it. But, I mean, let's let's chill. Yeah. Again, they're, they're kind of stating how, oh, preseason or not, that's something. It's like, no, it's still preseason. Right. Still preseason. Yep. No, I'm not really worried about it. You're also like – besides like the, the fact that you're not going up against starters the entire time and you're – also not taking on a ton of blitzes. I mean, there's just so much to it. If we based our entire prediction on... 47 snaps. Okay. So he had, he had he has 12 snaps more than the gentleman that you mentioned, and uh, everybody's making, raving about Andre Dillard, whatever. Uh, Granted, we're going to have egg on our face if Steinmetz makes the team. And you know what? If who? The guy, I'll take the egg. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> if it's if it I'm means fine. our offensive line is better, I will take it. If it means yeah, there wasn't we just live- in that bad of a spot, then I'll probably just go cry and drink. Yeah. Um, if we base all of what we saw in preseason on our predictions for the regular season, then our first team offense is going to destroy the entire league. That may still happen. And that may still happen. <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right. So uh, with Roger Johnson, look, I, I like him. I liked what I saw. There was one play that stood out to me, um, and I tweeted about it, and everybody it looks like everybody went back and watched it. It was a great play. Uh, Game Pass isn't doing all 22s, I guess, for preseason, it seems like, or no? No, they don't. Okay, so I, I kept waiting and waiting. I rewatched it without Game Pass or without the all 22, and it it's just it sucks to watch like that. So, But, um, I mean, Roger Johnson looked good. And, and keep in mind, like, of course he looked good because we haven't had anybody play good at left tackle since Dwayne Brown left. So last season we saw a turnstile at left tackle. This season, you know, I've seen – I saw some good things from Matt Khalil in camp. Uh, I didn't see him get destroyed like a lot of people did. Uh, but that was one day, supposedly, as the heat wore on and practices wore on, he became who he was. Um, and he got beat up by J.J. And he got beat up by J.J., which we're not facing J.J. 16 times. So at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I still think that, like, if Roderick holds up on Saturday and shows – like this entire game that he plays, exactly what we saw against the Lions, then I think we have a case to be made about Roger Johnson starting. But until then, I don't think that we can make that case. And I know it's like we want to have a starting tackle. We want to be better. Um, but we need to see consistency. And unfortunately, even though that's coach speak and that's what Bill O'Brien's been saying, you know, can you do it again? Um We'll have to wait and see. If he can do it again, then I feel 10 times better going into the season. You know what's funny, though, that nobody's talking about is the fact that how Central Henderson has looked this entire preseason. Everybody's just yeah, kind of – looked fine. He's looked fine, right? I mean, he's looked fine. There's, there's been <laughs> Isn't no, that all we wanted? Fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's, there's been no talk about it. Everybody wants to make it out to be that our offensive tackles are awful, and I get it. Like – we drafted a first. We drafted a first round tackle. We drafted a second round tackle. We want to see him at tackle, honestly. And I tweeted this out the other day. I don't care if Titus Howard plays guard for the next ten years and is an All Pro guard, and I don't care if the same thing happens with Max Sharping. If we find two other tackles that aren't Titus or Max, I really, honestly, don't care. Ask the Colts if they care about where, taking Quentin Nelson number six last year. Pretty sure at this point they're pretty happy. So as much as we needed tackles, if this offensive line comes together and they stay relatively young, say Roger Johnson works out, uh, he's, I think he's 23. You have Titus, Max, um, Titus, Max, Central, um, and Roderick 
on the on the offensive line, and then we'll get into Nick Martin. I, I don't. We'll get into him now. I, I I don't like the way he looks. You ever seen you ever seen one of those people that you look at and you're like, I just I don't I don't like him. Like, and it's all based on their face, like their facial expressions. Like you look at them and you're like, God, that just looks like a snobby ass. Really? Wow. <laughs> you've never. You, 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 You've never done that before. You've never like seen somebody's face and like that guy just looks like a cock. Not really. I mean, it's oh god. You, well, I actually, do. I'll rephrase that. You, anybody that work has worked in customer service knows that the uh, I That's need to speak to your manager haircut. Once you right, see that haircut, well, that, yeah, no, I know. That's what I know. Yeah, Nick Martin looks like this snobby little princess that like just walked right back into his starting job, and I'm just like, dude, are you? God, this whole offensive line situation outside of the tackles is, or outside of the guards is so frustrating because Fulton, um, I forgot who tweeted it out. Maybe it was Evan Silva. It was somebody from the dra- from the uh, draft, the drafting academy, scouting academy, whatever. Um, and oh, maybe it was actually Jordan Reed. Either way, um, they tweeted out how when Fulton's uh, contract is up, that somebody's going to get a great center, and they were showing all the clips of him at center in. Kansas City and I was like holy shit wow like he was a great center and now we got to see a little bit of it and then Martin comes back and everything's just rosy over at NRG and there's no battle for the center position no I mean that's frustrating for me what was it a couple years back Zach Mart I'm sorry Zach Fulton was one of the top rated centers in the league according to PFF so again keep taking it in with a grain of salt, uh, we moved him over to t- um, to guard because, well, we needed a guard. But with him at center, I mean, our line looked good. We were getting pushed up the middle. Sharping and Howard, I mean, they look good Fulton, that looked really, really good. I hope we get to see more of that, especially because I was sure that uh, Martinez, Rank- Martin- Martinez Rankins would be would be the center. I was so sure of that. Fulton's a good player. He was a really good guard for us. He was the only player on our offensive line last year that I would say was consistently good. And he was hurt. Now Nick, yeah, and Nick Martin, he's he's got a, he's a roller coaster ride, and he can't stay healthy. He's the comment I made about him last year, and I still stand by it. Is he starts off he starts off strong, but he runs out of steam. He just hasn't built that stamina up to last an entire sixteen year or an entire sixteen game season. And then here's the other thing, he's Above average at man blocking on the offensive line. However, and gap essentially gap blocking. But zone, for the zone read, zone blocking, he absolutely fails at. He was the worst rated center in the entire NFL on zone read, slash, or on zone blocking, I'm sorry. So you go from a guy that's very good at power blocking, angle blocking, but just awful on zone blocking, which is what our offense kind of relies on when when Miller's back there, because that's how Lamar Miller runs the best. So it's kind of one of those scheme fits. Do you just rotate him with Fulton and hopefully keep everybody healthy this year? Because there's going to be attrition on the offensive line. That's the other part about it. We're not going to have the same guys start every single game. That's part of the reason why they want guys that can play both the left side and the right side, because there will be attrition. We've seen it every single year. Every year somebody gets hurt, there's going to be a serious injury, because, you know, that's just part of playing the offensive line. Yeah. But there's a couple of combinations out there that are pretty intriguing. No, I think I think with with the right now with what we're doing on the offensive line, I really hope that this game 
we see what we saw against the Lions with Fulton, Rankins, Sharping, Roderick, and Centrell, and let them play for a couple series and see what happens. Yeah, just to see it. I really don't want Nick. I don't want Nick Martin coming. He should not be able to come back. If availability is everything you speak about and you talk about, and that's like your that's your buzzword for camp, and yet this guy hasn't been healthy the entire off season, and all of a sudden just comes right back into the starting lineup. What do you what message are you sending to the team? If it's really about that, what message are you sending to the team? And I just don't understand it. And if we want to get the five best guys out there, everybody should be competing. And it's not like we have outside of Max and Titus a real like we don't have standout guys yet. So every single day should be a grind and should be a competition. And I don't understand it. Hopefully that changes, but I guess we'll I guess we'll see. Um, all right, let's hop into what we took away from the um, the preseason game. Uh, I. I Obviously, let's start with the first drive. Deshaun looked good. Deshaun looked really good. He looked he looked in sync. He went through his progressions extremely quick, got rid of the ball as fast as he could. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we have three tight ends that can make plays for us. Like, Darren Fells looked good um, on that quick curl route uh, in the middle. DeAndre Carter, I think, if I had to take anything away from this game that I'm, I'm like, excited about for the season – is that DeAndre Carter is literally a Kiki clone with just a little less shiftiness. And a little smaller hands. But, you know, he was catching with his hands. Yeah, I, that, he he was, those, were not, those were not basket catches. Last year when he caught the ball, it seemed like the ball caught him. Right. That's the number one thing that made me the happiest out of watching everything. Well, not the happiest. There's a couple of things that made me pretty happy watching that preseason game. But that's one of the ones that I was over the moon about, which is watching how fluid he was catching the ball. He uh, well, wasn't that fluid last year. Well, and watching how fluid he was in the offense, because he wasn't that fluid last year either. Running his routes uh, when he was in motion, there was a lot that DeAndre Carter did on Saturday that to me just shows with him being with the team through the offseason and really getting into the playbook compared to where he was when we picked him up and whether week seven or week eight, whatever it was. Um, and just kind of being thrown in to do punt returns, and then Kiki gets hurt, and he's got to hop in and play that. Um, he he definitely looks like a different player. He looks like he's uh, he, uh, if Kiki goes down this time, I don't have much fear in my mind that this offense will take a step back. Um, when I when I was watching him run, he he just looked very decisive. He knew where he was going. It was very good to see. It was very good to see. And that that was probably my biggest takeaway. Like, I know Deshaun was great and, and Nut got hit and, you know, all, all that. Like, that, that's great. But those are we're, we're expecting to see those no matter what. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to catch balls in this offense. Uh, and guess what? Deshaun Watson is going to target DeAndre Hopkins. But to see him make everybody else in the offense, um, you know, catch the ball and be a part of it, um, was really the part that to me was like, okay, this might be the year we see a complete offense, not a not a fuller nine route or go route uh, or a couple you know outs. Um, this just looks like okay, everybody's getting the ball and we're going to do this, and um, it's nice to see, dude. I, I I think that was probably the the big bright spot that's going to have the biggest impact on the season was just seeing how comfortable DeAndre Carter is in this offense. Yeah. No. The passing game is going to be something else. Poor Kahali Waring. I I think he might get IR stashed. 
it would not surprise me at this point if he, if he, you know, gets uh, mysterious concussion-like symptoms in about two weeks, and he yeah on the IR for the entire season. Allow, and I mean, allows him season to develop, which is usually what you need for tight ends. You don't expect them to come in as rookies and produce right away. But Fells was out there with the starting team, and he was needed. And he's a straight-up mauler. There's, they're, they're not joking when they're saying that he is the left left tackle. Yeah. And he, that's what a blocking tight end looks like. Go rewatch that first drive and how much of a difference that made. And then, if you take a look at the, um, the other guys like Jarrell Adams, one of my boys out of South Carolina, just straight banishing a dude. Like that poor guy. He's, I don't know if he can, he can show back up to practice. He just got straight shown up, and Jarrell Adams play like he was he's entering year three as a tight end that's kind of what happens just like offensive linemen it's a very complicated position and then of course we know about the Jordans the Jordans aren't going anywhere and both of them look good Jordan Aikens was I think he was the most targeted receiver out there and he looked really good and poor Jordan Thomas like that was that was a touchdown catch that was a heck of a catch that yeah it was it was perfect placement too yeah it was just everything that you needed it to be um, all-around great execution, but there's a lot of tight ends that can't catch that ball, even though it was a perfectly thrown ball. It was. Over the shoulder into the corner like that. It was gorgeous. The separation that he had. Like, that was gorgeous. Like, you can't tie it up. You can't You can't ride it up any better than that. You couldn't do it that clean on a walkthrough. I agree 100%. That, that was a perfectly placed ball, perfectly ran route. That's exactly what you want to see from, from your tight end one, especially in the red zone. Um, Jordan Thomas looked good. I, I Darren Fells look good. You know, honestly, with Kali possibly um, ending up on IR, I, I'm almost wondering now if if there's a chance that Jarrell Adams actually makes this team if we were to carry four. Yeah, I mean, it's I've always got garnet colored glasses on that. Many um, of the guys that I watched a lot in college, but Jarrell Adams was a huge difference maker in college. So of course, soft spot for him. And he, but he looked really good. He I did. don't know if he can. I don't. Typically, teams aren't going to trade for a fifth string tight end. But our fifth string tight end looks like an absolute player, and he's out there playing special teams and doing everything that's asked of him. So his agent, no joke. Every single podcast out there, I think Pat Starr is the first one to say it. His agent absolutely did him wrong. I don't know if I'm ripping off Cody Stutes or Pat Starr or something, but they've been saying it since. Um, OTAs, like Jarrell Adams, you went to the wrong club, buddy. Yeah, I mean, or he didn't, <laughs> and he's getting a ton of film, and now he's going to have a spot on somebody else's roster that maybe he wouldn't have had. I don't know. I think there's different ways to look at it. Like, he, he might have came into the right spot to where he's making plays, and he has highlight reel stiff arms, and he's catching the ball, and he looks so good that there's going to be a team. He's definitely he the first player if he's one of the first players cut which he probably will be given his camp and that's that's how they tend to do cuts is if they know they're not going to be able to carry another player because of the position group and how many are there they'll tend to cut those players first so they can go land on another roster um yeah i wouldn't be i mean Jarrell Adams is making this team or not this team making a team there's too many teams that need tight ends right especially ones that can go out there run routes like that Catch the ball like that and, you know, throw people to the ground like that. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. So, no, that was a big – that was a bright spot for sure. Um, Vincent Smith, uh, kind of ups and, up and down, but he 
his up was a, a very big up in that TD catch. It was a beautifully placed ball, by the way, of, by Joe Webb. Uh, I'm glad that Bill O'Brien told him to stay in the pocket this this game. I think I think he wanted to see what else we have at wide receiver, so he basically told Joe to throw the ball this time. Um, but that was a beautifully thrown ball. Uh, I think Vincent Smith is going to make this team just as Will Fuller insurance. Yeah, I mean, Vincent Smith looks better than he did last year. He does have a unique ability to separate, so it's hard for me to see him not making the team. And Tyrone Johnson, he lost a little bit of his luster because he does not like to get hit. It's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta show up just a little bit more to, to be that pretty, I guess. And I mean, I'm rooting for him still. I think that he shows a lot as well. But maybe now he'll actually end up on the practice squad and won't get poached. And Stephen Mitchell, I don't know, man. Yeah, like he had one of the best catches of the game, but he also had one of the dumbest mistakes of the game. Yeah, I think Stephen Mitchell and Tyron Johnson, um, you know, that underthrown deep ball by Joe Webb uh, to Tyron was, was the catchable ball, though. Um, and like you said, the contact aspect of, of him, and Jason pointed out that that was one of the things at college, was that he ran away from, from contact, um, which is it's weird because when you watch him on the punt return, that was the opposite. He was going through holes and, and making it happen. So, um, But it's a little different when you're catching the ball. Uh but that ball should have been caught and would have been caught by any of our three or four starting wide receivers. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I've been fought by most of the receivers on the team that like to fight for the ball. Right. So that's kind of the knock on Johnson is he, he doesn't like to fight. Which may end up being the reason why he doesn't make the team. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm at the point now where I, I, I think I think we can get away with stashing either, the Mitchell, either Mitchell or Johnson on the practice squad and, and not lose them. Um, and I think it'd be a risk I'd be willing to take just to to keep this roster where it was last year in a similar fashion of who we carried and how many we carried. Um, all right, Dylan Cole. I mean, the guy is probably the preseason star to be honest with you in preseason games. No kidding. <laughs> he has the ability to absolutely show out on lesser on lesser talent. Yeah, it's well, it's because he's not a lesser talent, and he probably shouldn't. He probably shouldn't be a third string middle linebacker, to be honest with you. The only reason is he's he's tiny. Dude. He's tiny. <laughs> but, uh, Dylan Cole will straight break me in half and not even think about it. But I understand the knock on him coming around draft after we saw him in person. Like, dude's chiseled. But he's like he's like a mini cush, and that's how he plays like a mini cush, like a mini healthy cush, and that's um to a T. And he's an absolute beast out there, and hopefully he stays healthy all season. As our if we stay healthy, our trio at, at linebacker is just yeah. But that trio at linebacker there. after next year gets a little thinner because if Dylan Cole stays healthy all sixteen games, he'll go be a number two somewhere. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised why they haven't started to offer some contracts to some of these guys? Yeah, I know a lot of people are. Um, so I guess let's get to that after we finish up the preseason game because okay. I think there's a couple contra- a couple players that could probably – that deserve at least a, a conversation. Um, all right, so our boy – well, let me get to Bradley Roby, actually. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm right yet. <laughs> but I'm going to say I'm pretty damn close. And – all I hope seen, you are. There all, is nothing I want more in this world than for you to be right. The, the, well, the, so, I mean, what we've seen from Bradley Roby 
is, yes, there's been catches on him. But if you look at those catches, I mean, he, he's there the entire time. He's right there. And there was this, I've not seen him get burned once, uh, whether he's playing zone or man. Uh, but that pass deflection that he had uh, on the first uh, offensive drive for the Lions that uh, was on a third down was a crucial pass deflection. He, had to, he was able to get his hand up and turn around right in the nick of time, even though even if he wouldn't have turned around, he still would have deflected the ball. But for uh, there to not be a pass interference call, he had to turn his head. So um, it was uh, Bradley's looking good, and I think he's just going to look better as we as we continue to go on. Uh, so I'm really excited about Bradley Roby. Whitney Merciless looked like Whitney Merciless of 2015 and 16, or 2015. Um, yeah, 15 and 16. He missed 17. Uh, 2015 and 16, he was at, all over the quarterback. Um, everything we're hearing in camp is that he's just destroying every tackle he goes up against, whether it's a Green Bay or Detroit or our own guys. Uh, our own guys, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Um, but uh, it's nice to see that Wit is playing his natural position and his and has his natural core of responsibilities back. He seems a little bit a little bit uh, revitalized by the fact that he gets to go back to doing what he's comfortable. Yeah. Now. As much as we complained last year about him playing off the ball, he was still a very good off the ball linebacker. I mean, he just wasn't the Whitney Merciless that we expected. He wasn't Merck. He wasn't going out and getting sacks. He was doing a lot of dirty work. Yeah. And I, I would argue, and I've gone back and I've rewatched a little bit on him, is he was actually very good as off the off the ball. Now he's not. As a pass rusher, he's almost a pro bowl talent. He's very very good as a pass rusher. He's very good on the edge. He's very good at setting the edge. He's very good at just playing outside linebacker and not having to worry about chasing down running backs and so on and so forth. Like, that was always his weakest area. So you take a guy that's slightly below average to a guy that's significantly above average, and I think that it even revitalizes him. He gets him with his confidence back. And apparently he was also hurt a bunch last year too, so. Yeah, no, I – uh I think I think it's great. I, I, I you know I've seen, I've seen people. I was gonna say my absolute favorite thing about Whitney Merciless though is when they do an interview with him. Dude's a straight savage. Like he fits his name Merciless on the field, and then when he does an interview, he busts out the word. He busts out the super. That was super. Yeah, he's also a very educated guy. Um, like very well spoken. Like just very well spoken. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a broadcaster. Yeah, absolutely. But he just yeah, that was a super play. I'm like, sir, for real. Yeah. Um, the, the only question I have about Merck, and it's just because I've seen some some people tweet about it, is that when JD comes back, does his roles and responsibilities change? Um, I actually don't expect it to. Uh, I expect I expect us to see that three superstar pass rusher that pass rushers that we've wanted to see for a while, um, and I think because of the cornerback group. I think that'll be the approach just because the cornerback group is still probably the most unknown out of all of the positions. Like even if you take into consideration offensive line, um, like with Matt or Roderick or who, or even central, whatever, however you want to do it. Um, we know that the offensive line is going to be better. Now it may not be much better, but we know it'll be better. And that's simply because it can't get worse. But the secondary group, there's still a ton of questions. Like we really don't we don't know about Lonnie yet, and he's going to be a rookie, so he's going to have he's going to make mistakes. It just happens. Uh, Bradley Roby's getting used to a new uh, defense. He's going to have miscues. Um, 
Hopefully we're not going to play too much zone. I don't think we're going to play any zone based on what we're seeing in preseason. <laughs> I just want to see you flip out the first time they drop them into zone coverage. They drop them into quarters. If they drop Y'all them into quarters, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Y'all hear Harry Gold screaming all the way from Austin. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That, it, oh, okay, let's, let's start there. Um, uh, we're seeing a lot of press, a lot of man, which is great. That's where him and Lonnie are going to thrive. They're going to have to mix it up because you can't just play man. You just can't play zone. That's how you get beat by good quarterbacks. The way that the Colts beat us last year was they would give you a man look and then switch to a zone, and it, it kind of threw Deshaun off a little bit. Um, and we'll get into Deshaun on the Watson cast after this episode. Um, but I just uh, I think with the secondary being the biggest question, we're going to have to have all pass rushers on their A game and going after the quarterback if we want to make up for the secondary. And if we want to put the secondary in a good position, uh, so it, it's it's interesting. I think we'll see more this week, obviously, because the starters will play more. We didn't get to see Lonnie last weekend, so we'll get to see him this week. Um, but I still, if I had to say one area was the biggest question mark, I would have to say it's the secondary, and it's just because you're not you're yeah. not seeing the starting secondary as much as you're, you've seen the, the the starting offensive line. So, um, all right, let's get to our other guy. Well, you also have to keep in mind the reason that we consider the secondary. The weakness is the offensive line has bodies. Everybody kind of expects the offensive line to be what our struggle is, but I'm willing to bet we're going to end up at least around 15-16 in offensive line rankings by the end of the year because we're going to start off slow because the group has definitely not gelled because they've used so many different groupings. But by the time it's about midway through the season and whatever they've decided on gels, there's some straight-up athletes. There's some road graders that they have put together. Now they've just got to let them gel and start working together as a team. Yeah. No, I agree, um, and, and and that's just kind of how it works with the offensive line in general. Like a lot of the a lot of our issues last year was just the fact that we had so many moving pieces at so many times. Um, there was no consistency, so uh, th- it'll be it'll start off that way. Luckily, you know the Saints don't have a, a tremendous pass rush. Um, that was one of the things that me and Jason were talking about. He was saying that with uh, without JD, that he expects to see the team sack rating or sack amounts go up, and it'll will be less about the individuals and more about the team. He brought up the Steelers. I then pointed out that Stephen Tewitt and Cameron Hayward are are not your average defensive lineman, uh, <laughs> and we don't have a Stephen Tewitt or a Cameron Hayward on our team. And if you're expecting our rookies to be that, that's just not the way it works. Uh, so then he went back backtrack and went to uh, the Saints, and that was a very good comparison. But um, yeah. and I hate to say it, based on based on the actions of the Texans front office, I think Jason's right. Um, he might be. Even, even considering what the Patriots have done in the past as well, when you take that together, I think that you're right on Jadavian Clowney. Oh, of course, you're right because I'm the one that convinced you of this. The Jadavian Clowney is an all-world talent. He's not necessarily used in a way that everybody would want him to be. However, I believe that the Texans undervalue pass rushers, and they're already spending a fortune on J.J. Watt, where they kind of believe in the Belichick and – Steelers and what the Saints do is you can manufacture a pass rush. Now, I think that that's what the Texans believe. I think that Jason Braddock is correct in pointing that out. I don't know what he personally feels. However, I would point out the games that we haven't had Clowney on the field. Yeah, that's and my point. That I'm, That's what my soul, like that's where that's all coming from. I think of that and then I think back to last year against Tennessee and I'm like, okay, well, good luck with your – 
your team sacks because nobody got to Mariota and also nobody could stop the run. So I, I really wasn't even Mariota. Well, it was Mary. Oh, that's right. It was Gabbert. Yeah. Um, Gabbert and Derrick Henry at quarterback. Um, so that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. And, and on top of that, like JD is going to be a part of this team. It's, I, I don't, I don't see it happening now. I think if he's traded at all, it's going to be at the trade deadline. If he's traded this year. And I just, and that's just because the team's going to lose the pass rusher and somebody will get desperate and maybe they'll give us an offer that we're looking for. Um, by the way, I, I think the Patriots might be a sneaky dark horse for that. If Michael Bennett gets hurt, keep an eye on the Patriots. But uh, either way, um, my whole point was with JD on the on the field this year, that's not going to be the case. And if you take JD off the field this year and say he is traded prior to the season starting, if you're leaving your pass rush up to Charles Amenehue, Angelo Blackson, Joel Heath, Carlos Watkins, I just because they're unproven to this point, and even though Blackson has had a good offseason and had a good end of year last year, we still haven't seen enough of Blackson to say on game day we can count on this guy to deliver what we need him to, to deliver from the defensive end position. So if we're leaving it up to those guys, all of them are unproven. Is that fair? I think Amenehu's unproven, Watkins is unproven, Joel Heath is unproven, and so is uh, Angelo Blackson. Right, so and Angelo Blackson's, I mean, he's, he's flushed, and they're paying him like he's proven. But let's be honest here. Which one of those guys can you actually spend the defense on? And that's what Clowney, kind of, kind of his key. Now, he's granted, based on that traditional role on any Patriots defense, um, any Belichick-style defense, he is overpaid for that role. But I also think that he's better at that role than anybody else. The guy that can play three positions that allows them to literally, without substituting, go from a 3-4 to a 4-3 to a 4-2. Clowney allows them to switch three formations, and he plays within those three formations, he plays three different positions, and he does all at a level that is almost Pro Bowl. Right, and that's my point. That's I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, and on top of that, we lost Christian Covington, who a lot of people may say wasn't a great player. He wasn't, but he was an above average to good player, and he did his his job well. We don't have, We don't know if we have that. We hope Blackson's that. But well, we don't know that Blackson's that. Yeah, we, we don't, haven't seen it yet. We don't know if we have a fundamentally sound, disciplined player on the offensive line that allows Clowney and JJ to do what they do. And that was my entire that was my entire point with when me and Jason were talking was I just don't uh, you're saying this, but yet we have nothing to back that yet. And until we see that that's the case, I'm not going to say that that's how it's going to work. We right. need to see it happen on field. So, and right, I think, get... in, and I think, in Braddock's defense, is I'm not sure he's necessarily saying that. I think he's saying that's what the Texans are trying he's to do. Right? No, he didn't. No, he didn't say that's even what they were trying to do. What he was saying was he believes that with the players we have, that that is possible. Right, and he thinks that that's the smart decision. Yeah. I, well, whatever. I think that's a dumbass decision, but whatever. Um, all right, let's get back to the preseason because we got one more player to talk about. Uh, our boy, Buddy Howell. Oh, buddy. John. Oh, buddy. Even though it was against third, third team, second and third team, uh, no running back has run the ball like that in, in, in this preseason other than Buddy Howell. Demaria Crockett hasn't. Karan Higdon hasn't. Um, we really haven't seen a running back do that even against the second and third team. Buddy Howell looked the part on Saturday night. I want to ask you just one question because I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we're already 45 minutes in. Did Buddy Howell make a case 
to win the third running back spot? Or to no, let me rephrase that. Did Buddy Howe make a case to be considered for the third running back spot? I think you have to. We've spoken at length before how Buddy Howe, when he gets a chance to run the ball, has shown some juice. Now the problem with Buddy Howe is he cannot pass protect to save his life. So if the defense knows it's a passing play and Buddy Howell's out there, they automatically know it's a running play. So he's not going to pass protect. However, dude has some juice when he runs. He looked good, dude. And he, he, and I said it jokingly last week, and I may stand by it again. Go back and rewatch the special teams. He literally is everywhere. Dude would be a phenomenal linebacker. I'm actually surprised they haven't moved him over to linebacker. But I would. I don't want to put too much stock in the fact that he's now a preseason hero, and I hate to say it because the the weaknesses he has did not magically go away. He just showed what we already knew about him, that I'm surprised that he didn't get a touch every now and then to at least, you know, kind of spark the offense last year, especially when Miller was hurt. Um, they talked about vision and patience that both Karan Higdon and Demare Crockett, there's runs where they both demonstrated vision and patience. There was also runs where they showed they were rookies and they haven't developed that fill yet. Or Buddy Howell, he hasn't. Like, there's times where you watched him tiptoe behind the line and then just shoot out between the gap. He followed his blocking. He knows how to run the ball, and he looks like he has studied the blocking schemes of the Texans, and he knows yep. where to go with the ball. But, I mean, something tells me that his downfall is going to be the pass blocking because they're looking for a guy to fill the Alfred, Alfred Blue role. And for everything about Blue, Blue was a solid special teamer. He was a solid rotational short yardage back, and he was a solid pass protector. So he wasn't great at any of those things, not by a long shot. But for a second string, third string, grinded out running back, he was just fine. Yeah. And I, th- I and think with Buddy Howe, I think, uh, honestly, what he has going for him is the fact that, one, he's been in this in this in this offense, so he knows. Two, uh, luckily for him, Duran, Karan Higdon and Demaria Crockett aren't very good at pass blocking either. And so, yeah. if a, a lot will be said on Saturday by you know, will we see him get snaps before Higdon or Crockett? Uh, well, I think the question will come down to is, I think that Higdon's going to get stashed. He hasn't shown enough to um, to really make me worried that somebody else is going to pick him up. He's flashed. He's flashed some talent, but he's he's not there yet. And those guys, those running backs like Higdon, they kind of sort of flash, and then you put on the practice squad. They they honestly they very rarely turn into anything. Um, y'all send me a tweet of a running back that has gone from a practice player to a featured running back. Aaron Fox. And he was an undrafted free agent. He wasn't. Uh, but he was. But he, he was, didn't start on, he was on the practice squad. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Um. But go ahead. I thought that he made the roster, but you know what? Okay, there you go. So it's rare. It's very, very rare for it to happen. And I think Higdon has something special, but the vision just isn't there yet. And he's just not quite the player on special teams. Demir Crockett, on the other hand, he is Alfred Blue of Juice. He's just not there yet. I think at this stage of his career compared to Alfred Blue, he's a better athlete than Blue was when Blue was a six-round pick. And, again, he, he shows willingness, but he's just not there. So they're betting on whether or not they can develop Higdon or Crockett in the next season to be better than what Hal already is after one season and that Hal isn't going to develop anymore. 
because two out of the three things that they're looking for in their third string, Howell does very well. It's that third thing. And do they think that one of the other two can possibly do that third thing better than him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arian Foster spent the first 10 weeks in the practice squad. Uh, then we okay. called up for the final six games. Um, all right. So, anyways, I think, yeah, with Buddy, I, I think, well, like I said, we'll see, we'll know where Bill O'Brien's head is at when we see which running backs come in um, first. So, if Buddy Howell does come in before Higdon or Crockett, then we'll have, that means Bill O'Brien's looking. Um, if he ends up being the the fifth, you know, maybe the fifth running back if we have Duke play and if Lamar plays, um, then we'll know where Buddy is unless he puts on another show. So, all right, uh, that's about it. Anything else from the from the game that you took away that you want to discuss? I know everybody's talking about Albert Huggins. I get it. It's he, he had a great game. I I don't want to be disrespectful to him, um, but I just don't see another defensive tackle making this team behind DJ Reader and Brandon Dunn. Yeah, and Charles Watkins came back again. It's it's a it's a game of numbers. Hudkins, it's a game of numbers. Yeah, Hudkins looked really really good. He did. He's actually on my notes to talk about, and I can't believe I almost got out of here without. But he was pushing the pocket. He's he he might be a player too. And this I don't again. It's one of those things where I, it's kind of measured responses because the Lions didn't look good at all. No, and we as a fan base in general, granted, we've been. We've been pretty high on the Texans all off season. Um, we we never put our Kool Aid down comparatively. Um, now, granted, we haven't been as high as we've been in years past, maybe, or maybe the excitement isn't there. But after this preseason game, the excitement level is up. After this preseason game, it looks like we have more players that would be at risk of being poached than I think we've ever had from the guys that don't make the squad. And Hudkins, he's one of those guys. He just might. Just because of the numbers game, but he he looked pretty solid. But he's another one. Let's see it again. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, so that'll wrap up um, our thoughts on kind of the preseason and where where we're at with the preseason game two. Um, let's get into preseason game three. It's up in Dallas. It's going to be against the the trash ass Dallas Cowboys. Um, I hate that fucking team. I hope I hope something happens to them on their tour bus. Do we want to have a mini watch party? Do we want to have a mini for our Austin pe- for our Austin people? A mini watch party because Who's you know that's gonna be a fun Who's one. Who's in Austin? Sputnik. Who else? There's a couple of people. There's a there's a couple of people on Discord. Uh, I think it's just Sputnik. I oh, Jonathan. Jonathan's also in Austin. Yeah, he's in he's in Round Rock. So maybe we'll just throw that out there. Let us know if y'all would be interested. Um, but uh, so with the preseason, get back on. Yeah, preseason game three. <laughs> um, Dallas Cowboys. What are we looking for? So I'll tell you. I know obviously the biggest topic is left tackle. Um, I think, I think Matt Khalil's being held out because I think they want to see what Roger Johnson has. And I think that they don't want to take snaps away from Roger Johnson, but I also think that they don't want to rule out Matt Khalil in case this is a flash in the pan. I think Matt doesn't need reps. They know what they have in Matt. He's played long enough in this in this league to know what they're getting out of Matt. I think everything that's going on with Matt right now is really just, if we have to, you're going to be our starting left tackle. But we're hoping that that's not the case and we get to cut you and save $5.5 million. No kidding. Uh, 
I think uh, I, I believe Roderick Johnson will start at left tackle, and I'm hoping that he puts on a show to where we feel confident that this is our starting left tackle. So outside of left, left tackle, and I guess center now, um, what are you looking forward to in this game? Just what we kind of talked about, the guys that we got to see do it again. Um, again, going to continue to watch the rookie running backs for that third string because that's definitely a battle. Again, going to watch the receivers because fifth, sixth receivers, I don't, I don't know how the numbers are going to work. Going to watch that right tackle, Steinmetz. I've already forgotten his name. I'm sorry. Again, want to see it again. Um, want to watch Roderick again. We've just fingers are crossed. I'm hoping this isn't a preseason crush. I mean, we've we've got episodes. We've got three years worth of shows now. You can go back and listen to our preseason crushes before, and we've hit on a couple. We absolutely have hit on a couple. Um, you know, Dylan Cole for one. We were touting him the day after he signed. Like, watch him, watch him. Um, however, Roderick Johnson. Fingers are crossed. I, I really hope and I pray because that makes a world of difference if he can go out there and put together another solid game. And, you know, ever, all the corners, the secondary, I don't know how that's going to shake out. BBC, whenever I thought he was an afterthought, goes out there and makes a couple of plays. Um, Beatty, whom you had making the 53, he looked burned one second and then he has an interception. Uh, yep. Charles Amanahu, he... I'm not as over the moon uh, as some are about him, and I usually am about Longhorns. Yeah, it's so funny. Everybody, I, there are people tweeting out, oh, I can't believe the Texans got him in the fifth round. I had a first-round grade on him. You draft analyst, shut the fuck up. Yeah. God, I you guys had a first-round grade, and if you did, you're a fucking idiot. Because <laughs> two other teams didn't. Well, that's what I saw almost third. At a, at a, premier, at a premier position, by the way. We're not talking about, like, a safety or a tight end or a corner. We're talking about the probably the second, I would say probably the second most scouted position probably in the NFL outside of quarterback is pass rusher. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It was a tweet I saw. It frustrated me. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not getting these, these comparisons to Davey and Clowney either. I, I don't see the speed. I don't see the athletic freak. I, I don't see any of these. Where Where is this coming from? Is that the thing now to compare – Players to stars? Like, that's yeah, just what you do? No, he's, he's the clowny replacement, apparently. And, mm. you know, he's got the skill set to do it. He just doesn't have the athleticism. Well, that's kind yeah, of what I was – Right. Linebacker. Well, that was one of those where I was kind of talking about it earlier. He's closer to the, the prototypical player that they put in that position that they put Clowney in. Yeah. Um, even then, he would – in my opinion, he's slightly below average. And I'm rooting – and, again, I'm rooting for the guy. But – he showed a little bit against the Lions, but everybody showed something against the Lions. So I want to see him right. do it again. And yeah. I want to get excited about him. As, again, being a pass rusher in the Big 12, like, seriously, that's <laughs> – I mean, the biggest thing you need that is just marathon stamina. And Big 12 games are fun to watch, but they're not a grind. I, I mean, I watch the Longhorns every weekend, and I watch the Gamecocks every weekend, and there is definitely a difference between SEC football and Big 12 football. I – if. I'm sure this is very common knowledge. It's a very stereotypical position, but go pick a pick, pick an SEC team if you're if you're not an A&M fan, and then pick a Big 12 team. Just watch them every week and compare them. There's two different styles of football. You take anybody from from the offensive line or defensive line from the Big 12, they're usually not the player, or they haven't been through the physical demands of an SEC player from the same position. Now you switch it around and you look at the receivers. 
and even the quarterbacks to an extent, because SEC quarterbacks typically flame out. They're not as good as Big 12 quarterbacks because Big 12 quarterbacks throw it all day. And the running backs and the receivers get – they get to build up their stamina because they're, they're running legitimate route trees and they're running um, the air raid style offenses with those read routes where you're deciding what type of route you read based on coverage. So they drop into the NFL a little bit better off, whereas SEC players are usually better blockers, better grinders. That's just the truth of it. And, again, I always want to be wrong whenever – because especially when it's a Texas player. Like, there have been solid Texas players that have come out and been great defensive players, like Brian Arakpo, for one. Um, They do happen. Earl Thomas. But Earl Thomas. Well, that's safety. Safeties are usually kind of expected to be a little bit. No, no, no. There's a lot of good Texas players, but just line players from the past, I don't know, past 10 years, ever since the Big 12 has kind of gone the way of it. I, and I hate calling it finesse football because it's not finesse football. It's fun. It's There's a lot of offense. They are throwing it up, but that is a very hard style yeah. of football to play. And it's a very athletic. I mean, the amount of yards that some of these receivers run with no chance of ever getting the ball, and they're still out there running and executing their routes. And then running and playing at that pace, like, this is not to trash Big 12. It's just a different style of game, and you don't develop the same skills right off the bat. Huge rant, by the way, on the Charles menu here. I know, right? Sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not... All right, I'm done now. <laughs> Again, I want Charles to be good. I really want Charles to be good. But my hopes are not that high. And tune me. in Saturday to the Big 12 SEC uh, podcast hosted by John Wade, the Garnet Texan. You know, I'd almost do, like, special episodes on Patreon where I just break it down like the difference. I can't do it, so feel free. Uh, All right. Uh, Last thing before we end the podcast and then start a new episode discussing the Watson cast. Uh, John, so it's been a week. Things have kind of died down with the Jadavian Clowney talks. There's been zero Did he get married? He did get married. He did. I couldn't tell if that was him or if that was – his brother, but no, I think no, no, no. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, my son being the uh, Paul Bear or being ring, my ring, bearer, ring being bearer. my ring bearer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so congratulations to JD. That's uh, a big moment. Me and John are both married, so we know how big of a moment that can be. Uh, me and John never I thought we'd. That was all planned. <laughs> That's uh, why he didn't sign anything. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know. There's probably tons of things that go through this, like these people's minds. Like, who knows? Like, whatever. I can go to the beach an extra week. Whatever. So that brings to question, John. When are you expecting to see uh, Jadavian sign his tender and back in camp? Um, one week before the game, first game, is my expectation. uh, September what second? So when they said that he would come back to camp after the third preseason game. Yeah, that's pretty common because that means he won't have to play a preseason game. He's not going to dress for the fourth. You never veterans don't play the fourth, so that makes a lot of sense. I'm expecting him to show up next Wednesday. Okay, that's that's my that's my thought. Do you have any insider knowledge on that? No, no, no. Um, I smiled while I said that. Um. I saw that. Uh, no, I, I just uh, I just think that he'll be there Wednesday. I think he'll be there. I think he'll be there next week. I think he's gonna. I think he'll take the full ten days that he he wants to take to get ramped up. Um, I really think it's killing him to not be with this team. I really I, yeah. as much shit as JD gets 
Uh, I think he enjoys being with the team. I think he enjoys being with the players. I think he loves this city. Uh, I think he likes being here. I think I, I think he loves playing football. He hates the gym. Yeah. So all he's in, doing right now is the gym, and I think he hates that. But once he's on the field, I think that's yeah. what's happening. Um, you know, and when it comes natural, that's just kind of how it works, right? I mean, we, we've all heard the Allen Iverson practice. I mean, we, we know that when you're skilled and you're blessed with these, these skills, you know there's not much work you need to put in. Um, so, yeah, I'm expecting him to show up on a Wednesday. That's my guess. So four days after the uh, third preseason game and enough time for him to get ramped up, and he'll start for us week one, and hopefully we destroy the Saints at our viewing party at Sigma Brewing, brought to you by Pitmaster Barbecue, Tiff Streets, and Run Game Clothing. Uh, uh, all right, I'm getting pretty good at this plug stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, John, what else we got? Come join our community on Patreon. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's not part of the outro yet, right? Um, I sent the one with it on it, so hopefully it is. So Okay, well, if not, join the Discord. Go to our Patreon. Our Discord uh, is becoming, honestly, like this is, I mean, this is what I say cool. that. Yeah, it's becoming the best Texans community right now. There's, it's not toxic. It's a lot of guys having fun. The other day, somebody was acting asking for IT support, and people were chipping in and helping them out, and I thought that was really cool. Um, Reddit's gotten a little bit toxic right now. Somebody peed in the Kool-Aid, so we have our own Kool-Aid. It has no pee in it, so and I, it's fun. I, I strongly recommend it. Yeah, no, I enjoy it too. That's a very good. That's a very good notion or a mention of of the Discord. There, our Discords are freaking phenomenal. Um, shout out to uh, Cody uh, Sputnik, by the way, on Discord. Uh, for helping us with the uh, website. He's putting it together, so thank you for that, Cody, uh, a.k.a. Sputnik on Discord. So everybody uh, shoot him a DM and thank him for what he's doing for the website. And thanks to everybody in the Discord and our patrons just for what you guys do, and thank you for the listeners. We're really excited to see you guys in uh, two and a half weeks. Can't wait to meet you guys and do all that. Uh, and with that being said, I am – I'm going to stop with the Young Ari Gold stuff. I think I'm just going to say I'm James, and I'm signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. I think that's a good idea. Uh, I just wanted to kind of shout out, we are full on the Dynasty League. Um, James had kind of mentioned doing a, mentioned doing a redraft league because I had to turn a couple of people away. I'm not going to go out and chase people to do a redraft league, but if you, there's enough interest in it, I'll put one together for, for the listeners, and we'll just make it fun and free. Dynasty League, that's – I'm going to put the uh, draft on Facebook Live so you can watch me kind of narrating it. That dynasty league is going to be intense. It's not for not for people that are not diehard. But the uh, redraft league, we can make it fun. We can make it silly. And then offer still stands. You won either one of those leagues. You can come on here and do whatever you want. You want to interview us? You want to? You want to? I don't know. Um, talk shit to us and tell us we're stupid and shouldn't. Have a yeah, any of that. You should take over the podcast because you beat us. Granted, I mean, that's a pretty steep task to do. Oh, that's it. That's all I got. Considering you were reigning champion and I was, I know right in the finals. So, um, all right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign off again. So uh, this is James signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered. We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. 
and join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.